to the Mindset Podcast. Today we're going to be talking about mindset and fitness, uh, kind of talk about our journeys, how we got to where we got to with fitness, I guess what started us in fitness, and uh, we're going to also touch on uh, mindset, which goes hand in hand with fitness. Um, so I guess uh, mine all kind of started how, you know, I think most men get motivated for anything, mine kind of started with heartbreak. <laughs> heartbreak has molded a lot of bodybuilding <laughs> champions over the years. Yeah, I mean, you know, I was involved with a, a chick. You know, I thought, mm-hmm. you know, eventually it was going to take off and, you know, be like a a thing, like long term. Mm-hmm. And out of nowhere, come home one day. Dear John letters sitting on the mail. Oh, had one of those. <laughs> Dear John letters. Hey, I was I was not expect. There was no signs, nothing. Of course, never. Which it all came out later. What happened? Uh-huh. You know, I'm not going to go into all that, but yeah. So you know, I was heartbroken over it. Never seen it coming. Yeah, they say uh, women reject subvertly, and men are overtly. Yeah. Well, see, the thing is, though, they kind of like lose the emotional attachment first and then they start trying to push you away even though they're the ones that already lost interest Uh way before they even show signs of it yep so yep yeah so the you know me getting my heart broke it was kind of like okay well maybe it was me (laughs) maybe Mm -hmm. i you know because back then i think dude i was probably like 135 pounds And, and, and this is when i was like 19 uh huh and uh okay so i was like well maybe it's because i'm too skinny or something <laughs> you know I, mean, I didn't know you know i was still uh-huh. young you know had my heart broken i was like well okay what, what kind I'm of what kind of male influences did you have at this time in your life none none <laughs> okay uh-huh. i mean my dad i guess you know but, but i mean outside of that there was nobody like I, I i really didn't have any guidance you know how to deal and you know when i was growing up you know my dad was always trying to especially as i got older trying to push me to go into the military and things like mm-hmm. that but my i was the same i was so against authority and everything else when i was yeah. younger i was like i'm not doing that. i'm not having anybody tell me what to do i'm doing my own thing uh-huh. <laughs> you know uh-huh. which obviously i would Completely down the wrong path and got in so much trouble. Yeah, <laughs> but, doing your own thing work out for you, son. <laughs> so, and and now I, I talked to him today, you know, and it would be because I'm 35 now, almost 36. Mm-hmm. I'll be 36 in December. If I would have went into the military at 18, I'd be two years away from retirement. Mm-hmm. Be getting, you know, military retirement for the rest of my life. Yep. But nope. And I've, I've, I've always had this thought, too, that, like, you always hear your parents, oh, well, you don't want to learn the hard way. You don't want to be like me. Well, like, most lessons in life, I think, are learned the hard way. Mm-hmm. Like, very few people have the maturity and the foresight to uh, take those warnings and, and let it soak in and reflect on that. Yeah. It's like, 
well, I'm not going to be like you. And you turn out to be exactly like them, just in a different time. Oh, yeah. Me, like, if you look at us now versus then, like, mm-hmm. I'm almost identical to my dad as far as, like, what our interests are, hobbies, things like mm-hmm. that, outside of the fitness, because he, he refused to go to the gym. Make my my, my dad was never big into the fitness <laughs> thing either. Like, he, uh, his big thing was always, uh, let's put down a deck of cards and let's do push-ups by what number we draw. I'm like, okay, well, what about <laughs> squats or pull-ups or, you know? So, yeah. like, he was never... A real big guy I was never real big into fitness. Um, my brother was never really into the gym also. So most of my exposure to working out was, you know, at high school with football and other friends, kind of the camaraderie in the gym. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and it's kind of a big thing with guys, but like there's so much information out there these days. I don't think you have an excuse not to know what you're doing. But also, what's the consequences of too much information and too much options? Mm-hmm. Because now with social media and you know fitness influencers and the fitness game, how it is today, I mean, you can watch 20 different people doing a workout or walking you through what they do. And it's like, okay, I'm, I'm going to work shoulders today. And you're there for three hours doing 72 exercises because <laughs> you want to do everything. And that's, yeah. that, that's the trap I've, I've gotten myself caught up in. Where it's like you, you get away from the basics, and then it's like all these these new things that you can do. Well, see, like for me, because I do like to to change it up, but mm-hmm. I I won't do all that to where like I'm doing 72 exercises so I make sure I hit every exercise I've seen. You yeah. Know? So what I'll do typically is I'll go three weeks. Mm-hmm. Actually, actually, it's probably more than that. Three, four, five weeks, whatever, on the same workout. And I'll gradually increase weight each workout or whatever. But then after that three, four, five weeks, whatever time frame I choose, because I switch it up constantly, I'll switch the exercises up. And mm-hmm. then another three, four, five weeks, switch the exercises up again. So yeah. I don't constantly keep the same routine. I mean, you want to kind of change it up anyways. Now, there's people that have different views on, like, muscle confusion and things like that. Some people say, that, oh, that's not a real thing. And then other people are like, yeah, you need to constantly change it up so your muscles are confused. But You do, but also, yeah. like, the, the thing that I agree with, with how you set up and structure your progressive overload. Like You add five, five, five pounds every week. Okay, well, eventually, you know, you're not going to be able to add five pounds. Eventually, right, right. you'll hit your limit. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, if my max is 400, well, if I have five pounds every week, I'm not going to bench 1,100 pounds at some point <laughs> in my life. Adding five pounds is yeah, not yeah, how yeah. it's going to work. So I, I go by more what I see in the mirror mm-hmm. versus writing things out. Like, it's never really worked for me, writing things down. I just kind of take a mental note of each workout. And then it's, it's nice having a plan kind of like a base framework to work off of but for me like maybe i'm not feeling it that day i'm going here not feeling it i'm gonna focus on two exercises and maximize the muscle contraction and the pump for those two exercises yeah. i warm up hit two exercises hard because it's better to to go and then get a good one or two exercises than just kind of half-ass a whole hour mm-hmm. and a half two-hour workout if yeah. you don't feel it like Arnold used to say, you know, be in the muscle. You know, I can do one set, really be in the muscle, and have a better workout than you spending two or three hours because you're not focused. And that's the biggest thing with going to the gym these days is can't focus. Well, well 
one of the things that you know I had to call somebody out on the other day that mm-hmm. goes to the gym with me, mm-hmm. you know, because <clears throat> he he was kind of just like a guy that lifted heavy, and then I got him into you know going into a cut phase and things like that, mm-hmm. so he could lose a bunch of weight. Mm-hmm. Well, he was going super light, which you should do on a cut phase and do higher reps. At least at least that's my theory on it, but. He was going so light that there was literally no strain on the muscle whatsoever. I was like, mm-hmm. dude, you go light, but you need to at least maximize the weight yeah. to where you're struggling to get those last reps out. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Now, it's fine to to do super light and go all the way to exhaustion if you're doing, you know, say your rep count you have set at like 12 or whatever. Mm-hmm. And... You get to that twelfth one, you feel like you still push out four more. That's what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. But also, you you want to be. A, my theory is, so if you have a, a rep count of twelve, add as much weight as you possibly can to where those last two three reps you're like struggling to get it. You may you not get. I mean? it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but that's always been my theory on it. And he was like, just, he was like, just pounded through these little 10 pound dumbbells. Yep. I'm like, well, yep. dude, what, what are you doing? Uh, and that's, that's the, the opposite end of the spectrum, right? Cause you know, most guys are all the time. How much you bench? Oh yeah, I know. Well, I see, hate, I'm not, I hate that question. I, I don't do maxes and all that stuff. I've just mm-hmm. never been into that. Now, if it's on like a bet or something, you know, yeah, I'll, I mean, I'll do it. We, like we've that. all had those phases, <laughs> yeah. and I think it's good to be strong, but it's you have to be more mindful of strength. I think the older you get, especially I'm creeping up on forty, so like I'm not, I'm seasoned enough to understand my body to know how to work up properly. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people forget, especially people that go the the enhanced route, where it's like you're maybe you're fresh in the gym and you see some guy that you know, maybe is, is deep into competitions and has, has put in the time under the iron. Maybe you're benching 225. He's benching 315. Now you're insecure. I want to bench 315. And I think that's a lot of it is. And and you see a lot of guys on, on social media and and influencers trying to, to sell their brand, so to speak. So a lot more people are curious and, and hopping the enhanced route where it's like, you haven't maximized your natural, Mm-hmm. potential yet one of the b- biggest things is you need to build that base first yep. before you even hop into any kind of enhancement because mm-hmm. it's it's not in people that i train with and have trained with and like young guys like they see something on youtube or on instagram then they try to go in and, and <clears throat> mimic it and it's like you'll get more out of lightweight and proper form and control than you will out of just moving the weight mm-hmm. because you only get so far with just moving the weight because eventually like the stronger you get and the closer you get to your limit, not having proper mechanics is going to be a hindrance. Yep. And then with that, you're opening yourself up to injury Injury. risk. Yep. So it's like, yeah, you, you might not be able to hit 225 right out the gate, but if you're feeling 135, if you're feeling 155, if you're incrementally going up and you're feeling it, well, now that you're, you're going to be more in control of the weight, and you're going to make better progress in the long run. Because so many people forget that fitness is a journey and not a A to B. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, one of the biggest things also is 
you need to get that squeeze on that muscle too. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's honestly going to be like how you, how you really, really grow. Cause a lot of people, uh, <laughs> I call it the jackrabbit, uh, <laughs> but, but like, for instance, I'm like a standing calf raise. I'll see mm-hmm. people get on there, put four plates on each side. <laughs> yep. I'm just like, yep. bro, what are you doing? And the, and the load aspect is good, but you're not controlling the stretch. No, you're nothing. not controlling the, the contraction. And a lot of times it's, it's best to pause at the bottom in the stretch and then to pause at the top mm-hmm. on the contraction. So yep. you get the best out of both. And you're always like, I've never seen anybody doing controlled negatives. Yeah. And you get way more out of controlled negatives at the end of a set because mm-hmm. you're always stronger on the negative than yeah. you are on the positive. Mm-hmm. And nobody ever takes advantage of that strength curve yeah. and way to train and bust past, bust past plateaus. Yeah. The, and that kind of goes into the whole mindset thing with that mm-hmm. because, like I've said before on here, a lot of people will get to those plateaus not see any more progress for a while and then completely give up mm-hmm. and go back to being out of shape and everything else. But the thing is, you got to go through the pain. You got to go through the struggle. You got to go through the time it takes mm-hmm. to to get past those plateaus, break down those walls. And I promise you, you know, sometimes it'll take three months before you even see any mm-hmm. more progress. Sometimes six. It, I mean, it, it you can be at the same weight for a long time. And a lot of that comes into the, I don't want to get too much into the whole diet thing today, but sometimes you just got to change your diet too. Mm -hmm. You know, it may be that you don't have enough carbs in your diet. Maybe you don't have enough protein. Maybe your, your fats are off. Maybe you're training too often, too hard, too often. Mm -hmm. Not getting enough recovery time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Cause I was like, you watch, uh, Tom Platts from back in the day, and everybody loves Tom Platts for his legs and his tenacity training legs. And then you watch a seminar with him, and it's like you see his clips, and you think, oh, he was doing this once a week. Like, how in the hell? And then you listen to him speak, and, you know, everybody saw my videos, but nobody realizes I was training like that twice per month. Mm -hmm. You know, that was those type of workouts were every two weeks or once a month because they'd be so intense and it takes so long to recover. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't like, you know, the whole political side of Arnold these days. But um, outside of that, that documentary that he did on Netflix was absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I just started watching it yesterday, as a matter of fact. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah I'm on, like, the first episode. Dude, that thing is, man, it was super inspirational. That's all I But, I, I mean, like, even I didn't know how young he had started. Like oh, yeah. At, at 21, 22 mm-hmm. out there, you know, winning shows. And then when he finally got to America, you know, losing to Frank Zane and didn't realize the the difference in competition over here in America. Oh, yeah. It was yeah. a completely different intensity. Yeah. Like, I, and I'm, I'm like in my mid 30s, be 37 this year. So it's like, I feel like I'm in good shape now for my age. But to see him when he started. Oh, man. And the, the peak that he got to, like in his mid 20s, like, Jesus, man. Yeah, and the crazy thing is, like, he was already, like, crazy aesthetically and everything. Mm-hmm. And it was, that was before he even really started getting into the whole chest workouts and, you know, getting, like, the best chest uh, out of anybody of all time. Before he really knew the depths of the science yeah. and, and movement. Exactly. Like he understood it, but, uh, I mean, 
how many lifetimes and Bill Burr talks about this in one of his skits, like how many lifetimes would you need to achieve the things that that man has done in his life? Yeah. It, it's, he's, <laughs> he's done in, a lot. Inspirational, motivational, like just to see what he's done and what he's accomplished, you know, like top of the top, best bodybuilder still think today considered all time, best bodybuilder movie star, highest paid actor. Mm-hmm. And that, that politician goes, that goes back to like his upbringing too is like his family was extremely poor. Mm-hmm. You know they they literally came from nothing. He even I think he even said in the documentary. You know there were some times where they didn't even eat. Yeah, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. I mean they were that poor. <laughs> yep. so. And in his home life too, like because his dad had gone off to war and then they mm-hmm. lost. So it's like now you're defeated as a man. How do you move forward yeah. after that? I think when. I can't remember if it was his story or not, but I think while his dad was away at war, his mom ended up passing away or something like that. I haven't got that deep into it yet. Yeah, I think his mom ended up come or passing away. His dad came back from war, and he didn't know what to do. You know, he and then he kind of like went into like this spiraling darkness yep. and uh-huh. all this other stuff, or it may have been vice versa. I I can't remember exactly how because how I, I, I had no idea he had a brother. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I had no idea he had a brother. And then, like, he's talking about it in the, the first episode. He's like, I kind of put my brother and my family out of my mind. And I've still to this day, and I've never heard about his brother or what he became or anything. So that was that's that wild. was kind of odd. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, but that's it. And going on to the whole mindset thing, you know, Arnold knew you know, there was nothing for him there, and he knew there was better opportunities for what he wanted to do elsewhere, so he moved across the world, you know, to make it happen. Mm -hmm. And it's like what you were saying, he didn't understand the whole science behind it. He didn't understand the level of competition there was over here compared to Mm -hmm. where he came from. So he had to really, like, change his entire mindset on what he was doing, his whole philosophy on working out. He had to kind of start over fresh mm-hmm. when he came over here, you know? But even his mindset, too, after that, like after he lost to Frank Zane, he invited Frank yeah. out to California to train with him. Because mm-hmm. I get the sense these days that, like, people that are the best shy away from competing against the best. Well, see, that's the problem. Like, And it, he it's invited also, it. It also comes into the whole perspective, like, you don't want to be the smartest guy in the room. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because you're never going to learn if you're yep. always the smartest guy in the room. So yep. put yourself around people that are more intelligent than you, people that are working harder than you, so you mm-hmm. you kind of gain those attributes. Iron sharpens iron, man. Exactly. And, and so many people today are so comfortable and do just enough, or it's false rewards like... I was good on my diet Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Let me <laughs> let me eat crappy on Thursday. Yeah. Like, or I've worked out three days in a row. I'm, I'm gonna take a day off. Like, <laughs> no, that's and and I've got caught up in that, you know, myself. And it's it's easy to become so sedated with a sedentary lifestyle mm-hmm. because everything is so easy. There's so much overabundance, yep. and it, it's it's hard to step back as a as a man and all right, fuck. I gotta do this. I don't feel like doing it. I'm gonna do it. Cause then it's when I started kind of my fitness journey and actually hired a coach and wanted to do a competition, it was like, I don't feel like doing it, but every rep, every set, every day in the gym, every meal, everything that I did in that instance over the course of 
five months that it took me to get from when I decided to hire a coach to when I stepped on stage, everything was a baby step. Looking back over the whole journey, I lost over 50 pounds. It's in the best shape that I was ever in. And then from that, like, I can do this. Yeah. And it, it changed everything. Well, see, I was talking to a guy yesterday on the phone, and he was saying, or we were talking about a football player, and he was comparing himself to the football player about being, like, the same weight as him, except he was fat, and the mm-hmm. football player is yeah. obviously ripped. Uh-huh. And uh, I was like, well, dude, why don't you get in the gym? And mm-hmm. he's like, man, I just hate it. And I was, <laughs> like, I was like, you hate being fat or – you hate going to the gym or both. Mm-hmm. He's like, I hate both, but being fat's easier. <laughs> I yep, was like, dude, you've got to get out of it. that mentality, bro. Yep. I was like, that's not good. Nope. And then, you know, he started making excuses as to why he was like, oh, man, you know, work. I'm just tired of dealing with these dumbass people at work. What's that? Bro, what the fuck's that have to do with your life, bro? Uh-huh. Out, yep. Well, once you leave work... That shit's in the closet, bro. <laughs> like <laughs> you yeah. got you got to fucking go to the gym, you know. Get get in that fucking make that shit part of your daily routine. Yep, that's that's the one thing that you have total control over and it's it's a goal you can set out every day and if if you do nothing else throughout the day, you're eating good, you're going to the gym, you're putting in the work, you're seeing progress and it's it's a goal you've achieved. And that that's how it starts. I mean, Jordan Peterson talks about it like, "Okay, clean your room." Oh, I can't clean my room. Uh, okay, well, vacuum your room. I can't vacuum my room. You walk <laughs> over the vacuum. Okay, pick a drawer and then clean half of that drawer. Okay, I can clean half the drawer. And then it, that's where it starts. You you find that point where it's small enough that it's not inconvenient and you don't have an excuse for it. Mm-hmm. And then once you accomplish it, then, okay, well, half the drawer, then the whole drawer. Okay, well, now let me vacuum. And then before you know it, you started with cleaning half of a drawer. Now you've cleaned your entire room. Okay, now take that out into the world mm-hmm. well it's kind of like a snowball effect like once you start something and you accomplish that something yeah then it'll snowball into something else well i achieved that i can achieve this now if i achieve that mm-hmm. you just got to keep on with it and you know everything will kind of just fall into place and, and so much in life god mindset is so powerful and, oh, and it's the strongest thing on it, the planet it really is and and i think society is doing everything they can to break men down. Poison it. Yes. Poison your mind. Yes. It's the best way to put it. So something to help with my mindset, I kind of touched on in the first episode was my, my cancer diagnosis. Um, and I haven't told the story, but I guess I'm about to get into it. So here we go. (laughs) If you don't mind me taking the floor, let's go. Uh, So February last year, my mother was diagnosed pancreatic cancer. Fast forward May of that same year, I got diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma. And it was really weird and didn't know how to feel, didn't know how to think about it. Hard to process, you know, like, what have I done in my life, Lord Jesus? <laughs> you know, I mean, this it was wild that my sister had moved uh, to California, so she wasn't here. She's my best friend. Um, hard to watch my dad work through it, you know, cause pancreatic cancer, once you hear those words, like there's mm-hmm. hardly no hope for that. Yeah. So 
Early on when I'm diagnosed, my mom ended up getting a uh, home health care nurse because she got to the point where she kind of became immobile as cancer was taking effect. And she's over at the house one day. She missed her first appointment, the home health care nurse. And my mom is cussing this woman. Health care nurses suck and they're lazy and this, that and the other. And so because she missed the first appointment, the next week she shows up, she comes in, they get right to business or, you know, She's getting a feel for her history and what she's done previously. And over the course of the conversation, she admits that her son had cancer. So my mom is talking and telling about my cancer diagnosis and lady just starts crying, just breaking down. Touched on this, like I said, first episode, but her son was diagnosed in December, passed in April, and he was two years old. So my mom felt two inches tall. She had been chastising this woman. (laughs) And it was super tragic for her, but it helped me immensely in in that moment because two years old, didn't know what was happening to him, didn't know the the depth of the sickness. But he probably still always had a smile on his face. He did. She she said he was he was happy as he could be, I guess. Mm -hmm. But it's like, you know, somebody always has it worse and people get so comfortable in their own lives that it's hard to think about, you know, until you're in it. You know, you always hear somebody always has it worse and you go about your life and it's it's cliche to say you never think about till it impacts. I never thought it happened to me. Yeah, well, it's one of the misses. Never thought it happened to me. You know, <laughs> lived a healthy lifestyle, and uh, here I am fighting cancer. And after learning about this, it's like I'm 35. I've been married. I've been divorced. I've lived a lot of life on this planet, and I have one of the most curable forms of cancer. So it's like, what right do I have to complain and feel sorry for myself mm-hmm. when this is what other people are dealing with and yeah, it sucks for me, but I'm going to be able to beat this and come out of this. Yeah. So from from that sense, my whole mindset shifted to where, yeah, it sucks. Fuck it. You know, like life goes on. The sun's going to rise tomorrow. And, you know, you have people that will be there for you, but you're there for yourself, and that's all you really need. You know, and my mom never shed a tear about herself. She was never, woe is me. It, mm-hmm. it wasn't a... She was sad, obviously, but she never wanted pity. Yeah. And, you know, she always talked about in the end, like, how happy she was to have the kids that she had, to have the grandbabies that she had, to live the life that she wanted to live, and she wanted me to keep fighting. So, you know, I I probably could have curled up into a ball and, you know, got sympathy from everybody Mm -hmm. and, oh, why'd this happen to me and shut down was, you know, this kid went through this, had a good outlook on it, even, you know, he was young. Yeah. My mom, same thing. So it's like, I'm going to beat this. So I'm not going to let it affect me. You know, now it's just one thing that, that has tested me. And I don't know still what the purpose of going through that was, except maybe, maybe for this. You know, I, I had cancer, lost 50 pounds, had to deal with chemo. Um, but I still stayed on my diet, mm-hmm. still ate good, which kind of helped <laughs> withering away from cancer because yeah. I could eat what I wanted to a little bit, but still went to the gym three, four times a week. Um, still ate good. 
still went out with my friends. I still lived my life how I wanted to live my life. And it, it sucked, but I was going to beat it. So I didn't want it to affect me more than it had to. Mm-hmm. You know, some days I felt, you know, shitty and maybe I would sleep a little bit extra or you know, I wouldn't get any sleep, but I tried to stay busy, but it, it didn't slow me down. And it was nice, you know, going to the gym and, you know, every now and then somebody would ask, oh, what competition are you getting ready for? Because I was super lean. Yeah. But I was still eating decent enough. Like, I looked like I was getting ready for a show, even though I was sick and bald. <laughs> <laughs> but people, you know, what, what show are you getting ready for? Like, oh, I'm not. I'm just, you know, in here just doing it. Yeah. So it's wasn't aimed at making people feel bad about themselves. But it's like, look at what I'm dealing with, what I'm going through. You can see it in my face, my bald face. Like, I'm, I'm still out here killing it. What's your fucking excuse? Yeah, yeah. You know, get out here and get it done. I don't mm-hmm. care if you come in here and you do one solid exercise and you do 10 sets of that exercise, do something. Because yeah. it helps you afterward. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to touch a little bit on, before we wrap this up, because we're already mm-hmm. getting close to that. That mark. That oh, the, the mark, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, you want to touch a little bit on the whole competition aspect? Yeah. Um, I always wanted to do a competition. You always see the fitness magazines and the guys that look super ripped and like, oh, you, oh, I wish I could be like that guy. I wish I could look like that guy. Everybody wishes they could do that. But every great thing that's ever been done is when you stop wishing and you start taking action towards it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's taken ownership. I think it's taken responsibility. It's discipline more than anything. Um, and discipline isn't something that's really talked about and pushed by men in large these days. See, as far as discipline goes, it sounds good. Mm-hmm. But in all honesty, it's it's mindset because you can you can really have somebody like tell you what to do mm-hmm. all this stuff you know and you'll be disciplined for a short period of time and what you're mm-hmm. doing or in the moment but how long are you actually going to carry that like I, I think mindset is the umbrella and then everything discipline and accountability and motivation and responsibility fall under the umbrella. So I think you have to have the mindset first though to you do. to be able to to maintain the discipline and mm-hmm. everything else that comes along with it. If but, you do, if you, it's just like for instance uh like if you want to quit drinking or something mm-hmm. like that. Well, if you don't have the mindset to quit drinking, you're not going <laughs> to quit drinking. Yeah. You're going to just keep doing it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, and smoking whatever. So it it does it has to start with the mindset but then once you once it clicks, then you have to you have to think about it. Then you have to plan and figure out how to put it into action. So, yeah, you can have the, the it starts with the mindset, but then you you have to know how to execute. Mm-hmm. So for me, it it was a coach. Like I knew about working out, but I didn't know about there's a difference in training and working out. Mm-hmm. Cause like you're working out, you're just going to the gym, you're trying to stay healthy, trying to stay moving. Training to me implies like you have a goal and a purpose. Right, right. So the the, the distinction with me for that was kind of help, what helped me as well. Like, okay, I'm not, I'm not just going to the gym. I'm not just going to work out. I'm going to train. Like I'm going to try to sculpt my chest this way or 
cap my shoulders this way or, you know, get the, the teardrop in my, I had a specific goal, Mm -hmm. you know, of every time I went to the gym. Um, so started with conversation with the coach and then he's like, your goal has to be bigger than that meal. Cause my thing was diet, like love sweet tea, not, not like fried food per se, but extra large servings. And <laughs> <laughs> so that the overindulgence, like a uh, portion control, which yeah. isn't big over here. <laughs> My bad. It's too close. Um, Y'all got beef, bro. <laughs> <laughs> so, but uh, no, it's uh portion control discipline and executing the plan. And it's every meal, every gym session, recover, repeat. And then it's a day, and then it's a couple of days, then it's a week, and then before you know it, okay, now I'm eight weeks out, I'm six weeks out. And then once you start seeing progress and your, your mindset and discipline is rewarded, then I think it's easier to stay the course. Uh, so how, how do you go about finding a coach or that coach that you found? <sighs> Because I'm not really familiar with the whole competition aspect of working out or anything like that. Uh, for for me, I was fortunate because the the girl that I was seeing at the time, I ended up seeing some women in the gym that were doing things that like you typically don't see females right. do, like exercises and the way they were working out, training at the time, back in the day. Um, so I struck up conversation and asked if they were, you know, personal trainers, if they competed or whatever. Mm. She happened to be a coach that also competed. So I I put them two together and then I helped my girl at the time do a show. And then, um, the coach's fiance was also a a trainer, a coach Mm. and competed. So we had a conversation one day and told him I'd always wanted to compete. Um, that I always wanted to reach my physical limit. Um, and we had a conversation about food and basically he was like, look, man, what's your problem? Mm-hmm. Just no bullshit, no beating around the bush, no easing into the conversation. Just let's get down to brass tacks and cut through the bullshit. Like what's, what's your problem? Why, yeah. why can't you do it? It's like oh, food, man. I love food. I love <laughs> bait. And that's really what it was. And he was like, I get that. But to get to where you want to get, you got to do things you've never done. Mm-hmm. Like, so if food is your biggest thing. We can work food in, and it has to be a reward thing. But your goal has to be bigger than that one meal. Yeah. And it was super simple, and, like, I never really thought about it. But in that moment, it just kind of clicked for me. Fuck it, let's do it. Like, if if I can help her do it, I can do it. Mm -hmm. And then started out with a meal plan. Because I wanted to go the safe route. Like, I'm not going to waste a bunch of money getting into it and waste his time. Because ultimately, like, if you you get a coach and – you don't show up with a hundred percent. It reflects bad on him too. So yeah. I looked at it from that aspect. So I did a meal plan and you know, it was about 80%, 20%, 80% good food, 20% cheap meals. Mm-hmm. If you want to call it that saw good progress. And then the second month got a little bit more strict and it was about 90, 10. So I think the whole month I had like two cheap meals and it was like a, like a breakfast so I could work it off throughout the day. Cause I love French toast, love Cracker Barrel. <laughs> syrup cereal all the all the good stuff and then after that it was like you know what i can do it man let's go and then i did a 16 week prep and i wanted for myself enough time because i'd never done one before to figure out what worked for me so like for me carb loading did not work 
whatsoever. Yep. So, you know, you get low carb days and then you get one big carb day and your body soaks it up like my body didn't change. I was yeah. run down, no energy. <laughs> and so carbs, and we, we figured that out early on, like, because you check in every week and then he sees your progress and the meals changed every week, week and a half, two weeks. Mm-hmm. So we had enough time to switch something around, figure out what worked, what didn't work. Um, in your first competition, like you're, it's new and you're, you're starving your body to get to dangerously low levels of body fat to look good on stage. Um, so it's a kind of trial and error thing. But from there, it became easy to, okay, now I have the knowledge and I have uh, a, a reference that I can bounce questions off of. And I know what type of questions to ask now. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I'm researching different diets or different workout strategies, now I have a better understanding of how to implement them yeah. as well. Cause I've, I've gone through it. Um, but for me, I just asked around and stroke of luck, just talked to the right person and got introduced into, you know, a little circle, but there's, there's people around town that do it. Um, but the biggest thing about my guy that I liked, he was local, which is nice. Yeah. Somebody that you can see if mm-hmm. you have questions or issues or, yeah, I'm, I'm struggling with my chest. I can't feel this. Let me get a session with you. So it's nice to have somebody local. Um, he was, his rates were very affordable. Um, and he was no nonsense. So, he, you know, if he, if he, he could tell if I was bullshitting on my mm-hmm. diet or if I wasn't drinking enough water, yeah. like he wasn't afraid to call you out. No, him. at all. Which, yeah. which is nice, you know, cause there was no, like, let me, let me phrase it. So I don't want to offend you or hurt your feelings. No, like, be direct. This is mm-hmm. how it is. Like, not only are you paying me, if you don't follow what I say, you're wasting your money. You're wasting both of our times. So it's, it's just a way to hold somebody accountable, which, which is nice. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you can get on you know, Instagram or, or look for bodybuilding coaches around town. Um, I'm not going to plug him here because I don't know how he'd <laughs> feel about it. But yeah. my coach was awesome. Um, didn't push drugs or anything. It was I wanted to, wanted to be natural, and I wanted to see my limits unassisted. Mm-hmm. Because I think if you go the PD route before you really understand your body, how to eat, how to diet, how to train properly, how to recover properly, I think it, you might see good results. But it's like the you get too much too fast, and then the crash is harder. Yeah. Because two days after my show, I put on 22 pounds. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so it's the, the the rebound is if you're not used to it starving yourself starving yourself starving yourself because my i don't think i exceeded 1700 calories my entire prep yeah what? yeah dude i yeah. away and died uh-huh. yeah <laughs> yeah 1700 if you, if you think you go to you go to mcdonald's and you get like a mcgriddle and you know, like a mcgriddle meal that's 1100 right there yeah. just about 1200 or Starbucks in the morning, you get a, a venti white chocolate mocha, which is what I get on like a slice of banana nut bread. I'm sitting at 12, 1300 calories right there. So you're talking, uh, that's a drink and a, a, a treat first thing in the morning. You got the whole rest of the day. That'd be rough, but I guess it, your body kind of acclimates to it after it, you it do does. It, for a it while. does. And then once you get acclimated to it, then when you get a cheat meal, your body responds better to soaking up. Yeah. All the the shitty ingredients in, in your cheat meal. And then it also kind of is a reward system. Like, all right, I had four solid weeks of didn't break on my diet. I did everything I was supposed to. Hamburger with some fries. 
And then once you start seeing progress, it gets to a point you don't even want the cheat meal because you know it's, it might hinder your progress. So it's like, now nah, we're going to keep going, going to yeah. keep going, going to keep going. So it got to a point where I didn't even want cheat meals. And then he had to make me take them. And then he was smart about the cheat meals too, so it was mainly sushi. It was mm-hmm. something that was bad but still had good nutritional value. Yeah. So, Outside of the food, what do you think the biggest obstacle was? Um, food was really the biggest obstacle, to be honest with you. Um, well, because... I'm saying like, uh, like the fear of getting on stage or something like that. It didn't really bother me. Really? To be honest, yeah. I mean, you really? think it like, and I was even thinking about it, like watching the girls because they're up there and basically like shoestrings, like yeah. showing, showing their body <laughs> off. Okay. Uh, but, you know, I mean, you walk around the beach shirtless and whatnot, and it's you're, you're putting yourself out there mm-hmm. to be objectified yeah. willingly, you know, like break me down and critique every last angle of my body. But, you know, I... How many people do you think can compete? I mean, of all the people that you see going to the gym, how many competitors do you, do you ever see? Yeah. One, two, three, mm-hmm. a handful. Yeah, it's not So as, as far as in the grand scheme of people that are into fitness in one aspect or another, there's very few competitors. Right. So I think to make it to the point where you can step on stage, you've already accomplished more than 98% of other people oh, yeah. that work out. So there's pride in that. Um, and also too, like you, you work and you work and you work and you work to get to that point. So you work for 16 weeks to be on stage for 45 seconds. That's really what it comes down <laughs> yeah, to. That's, yeah. That's yeah. And, and you're, you're, you're loading your carb loading, your, your, uh, sodium loading water depletion, all that. Like you're, you're trying to time it down to an hour window, you mm. know, before you step on stage for prejudging and then at the night show. And I looked better at the night show than I did for prejudging. Why is that? Um, I didn't get any sleep. No. <laughs> yeah, I didn't get any sleep. So you wake up, like you've got to be there at 5 o'clock in the morning yeah. like, to get your final coat of tan and get everything ready. Then the show starts, prejudging starts at like 9, 8 or 9. So you wake up at 5, you have black coffee and grapefruit juice <laughs> clean you out before you step on stage. So I was kind of flat. And then after prejudging, I got to carb up. I got a cheat meal. I got some water, some sodium. Um, and then I got about four or five hours of sleep. And I woke up for the night show. It's more vascular. It's mm. more full. Like, I looked way better the night show than prejudging. But the hardest thing is arranging your food. Everything revolves around food. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, so that, I mean that just... I mean, that's with regular working out too. You know? Yep, yep. But it's Diet's it's eighty percent. But it's way more dialed in because oh yeah, like you have to. Okay, I've got to because mine was eight to ten ounces of egg whites for breakfast and for dinner, and it got to the point where I just would pour them egg, <laughs> egg whites in a carton, pour them in a a measuring cup, and just drink them. Ooh, yeah. Ooh, just you try to you get real creative with being convenient. Yeah. Um. All right, so I guess we could wrap it up on that. Um, you want to tell them what we're going to talk about on the next episode? <laughs> what did we say we we're going to talk about? Oh man! Oh yeah, I remember. I remember about um, kind of switched it up a little bit, and uh, guess the the governor here in our great state of Florida decided he was going to pass a uh, no more permanent alimony law, and I kind of want to get into it. Yeah, that's uh because I was married once upon a time, and even though I was married for about three years, so you know, 
a flash in the pan. <laughs> yeah, she, that... she, she brought up the alimony argument. So it's like, you know, I have some experience with this in the, the female mindset since we're talking about mindset. Mm, so Yeah, that, uh, that'll definitely be a <laughs> hard-hitting topic. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Hope you've enjoyed I, everything so far because we're about to get canceled. <laughs> uh, like we said before, don't forget to like and subscribe. Like the episodes, subscribe to the channel. It's going to help us in the future get to monetization, be able to do live chats, yes. grow a bigger audience. Yes. We don't want to do live chats and there's nobody <laughs> actually listening <laughs> hey, to live. Hey, tune in, all three of you out there. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I guess that wraps it up. Indeed it does. All right. Thanks for watching. <laughs>